0: welcome to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. So good morning, it's good to be here. My name's John, I'm one of the vicars here, Um, but in particular I head up Lighthouse, which as many of you know is a Christian community for those who are battered and bruised by the storms of life. But this month is a month of fun. Every Wednesday we're taking different trips out. We've been to Bolton Abbey, uh, took 50 on a court, It it was a brilliant time. Last week we were playing hide and seek at Meanwood Valley Urban Farm. This week it's the cinema and then we've got a trip to Filey coming up. So we're packing in lots of fun in this month. But today I'm picking up the topic of hope. Where is hope? Can it be found in Westminster? Can it be found in ourselves? When we look at the big pictures of life, or we look at our own hopes and dreams, where is the hope? And ten years ago I found myself on top, uh, I was sponsored, I found myself on top of the Royal Armouries, on the roof, and I was being sponsored to come down quickly from the building. And I was there, and the idea was, I could have gone backwards, but instead I'm, I'm going forwards. I was scared. I was fearful, looking over the edge. I was looking for hope. Well, I thought, I'll look for hope in myself. If I just believe in myself, I can step forwards. Actually, if I, if I meditate, if I flap my arms If I just close my eyes, well the danger won't be there, it will just be okay. But that was no good. And then I thought, I'm going to put my trust in the laws of physics, gravity. I'm not too heavy. So perhaps I won't fall so fast, I'll be okay. But this hope was short-lived, as I recalled my GCSE science lessons. I had no hope, I was as good as dead. And then I heard a voice offering me a reality check, offering me hope. John, I've got you. You're wearing a harness. Trust the rope. I can take your weight. And at that moment, I stepped off the edge. Our sermon today is entitled Hope for You and is based around Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, The reading that we had. I think the words will come on the screen, but if you do have access to a Bible, perhaps on a mobile phone, or you want to grab one of these, please do, because I'm going to be diving around different verses. Paul is writing to the Christians living in Ephesus, the third largest city in the Roman Empire, an urban city of 250,000 people, boasting one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis. Through festivals, architecture, and administration, the inhabitants were reminded of the greatness of Rome, with many people in Ephesus seeing themselves as living in the golden age, in an empire that would last forever. But all that glitters is not gold, and behind the glitz and the glamour of the ancient city was a world built on injustice, Slavery, economic exploitation and infanticide. But this is the way it has always been. This is the way it is now. This is the way that it will always be. Walter Brueggemann uh, speaks of uh, the monopoly of the imagination. Monopoly of imagination describes how empire and any empire tries to convince us that the status quo... Is the permanent reality. Into that world, the Apostle Paul writes to the first century community at Ephesus. And he seeks to stir imaginations and hearts by reminding them that they live in a better story. He offers them a King Jesus reality check that offers them hope. Let's begin with Paul's prayer found in verse 17. You see, Paul's prayer is that this early Christian community would be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that their hearts would be enlightened with some sense of urgency. Paul is praying that these believers would have a spiritual reality check, that they would see afresh the story which they find themselves in. Well, what are the benefits of this reality check? Paul gives us uh, four reasons for it. Why he's praying that people's hearts would be opened. Verse seventeen, that they'd know God better. Hearts opened, spirit of wisdom to know God better. But also, he says that you know the reason people's hearts are going to be open is that so that they would have hope, riches, and power. That people would know the hope to which they are called that they would know the riches of his glorious inheritance and they would know great power. So, let's spend a few moments meditating, marvelling, and dare I say marinating in the themes of hope which are found in this passage. Three points. This is about our hearts being open, so that we, we have a reality check. The first one, that hope for you involves looking back. Secondly, hope for you involves sitting down. And some of you saying, I like the sound of that. And the third reason for hope is that we look forward. And my prayer, and perhaps we'll just pause for a moment, you can have a quiet prayer for yourself, is that we would be part of the answer to Paul's prayer. That here and now, in this place, empowered by the Spirit, this ancient, these ancient words would warm our hearts and we'd be encouraged that we would have a reality check that gives us hope. So just pray for yourself. Pray for your soul now that would be awakened and given more hope as we go through this passage. Let's do that. So the first point, hope involves looking back. Now the hope that we are talking about, the reality check that we need is not that of hopium. Hopium is where we take a shot of hope which distracts us from the pain, the suffering and even evil in the world. You know, the type of hope that numbs us and distracts us from the world as it really is. All is well with the world, but we know it's not. In contrast to this, the Apostle Paul offers us hope-filled realism. For the Apostle Paul, the reality check we need as God's church is to recognize that outside of Christ, we are lost, broken, dead, and swimming in dangerous waters. The urban elite of Ephesus, living in the Roman Empire, perhaps celebrated their context- their culture, their development, their religion, their prestige. But Paul has this to say. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Paul offers a reality check about the chaos, evil and danger which is found in the world. It's almost as if the uh, believers and perhaps ourselves, we've, we've, there's been a fog and we've been out walking, feeling a bit lost And we we arrive on what's steady ground and the fog lifts and then we we look and see that we've been we've been walking on a frozen lake. And death was at every turn, but it's only as now we are in salvation. We look back and we see how dangerous things are. Paul uses these words, he talks about free, might say enemies, enemies of goodness. The first one we know all so well. Why? Because we participated in it and we've been victims to it as well. Sin and trespasses, trespasses, the Greek word here, trespass, is where human beings have stepped over a line, where we're wandering, we're going astray. The prophet Isaiah puts it like this, "We we all like sheep have gone astray. The other word used here is sin. And that's the word for missing the mark. Paul says elsewhere, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of the potentiality which is placed on human beings. So this is one of the enemies and it's, it's, it's within us. The heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. But Paul also talks about this: the ways of this world. Other translation, say the ways of this age. Or we might say the ways of this culture. So you've got sin, the world. And the other enemy that Paul talks about here is that of the devil. He uses in this passage the phrase, the, uh, the God, uh, uh, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Elsewhere, the devil, Satan, is called the prince of this age. Paul talks about powers and principalities which are hell-bent on chaos, death, and destruction that are affecting human beings. And some of us, some of us perhaps are saying, John, this sounds more like Narnia. Yeah, this sounds more like Lord of the Rings than the world that I live in. But actually, when we take a moment, let's take the topic of where we are in the climate and ecological emergency. We have our own contributions to it, where we human beings, en masse, have have trespassed and have missed the mark, the calling that's upon us. We're part of a culture which celebrates a certain way of life as the normal. And also, there are dark spiritual forces at work. We might call them unrestrained capitalism, which sucks us and drives us into a way which leads to chaos, death, and destruction. Back to the Apostle Paul. He says that outside of Christ, we're in a pit, we are spiritually dead. We are in darkness, unable to save ourselves. We were in need of a saviour and we didn't even know it. We were caught up and complicit in an evil age, overwhelmed by spiritual forces. The wages of sin is death and as verse 3 says, we were deserving of both wrath and judgment. But as the believer looks back, perhaps overwhelmed at the predicament of sin, Paul also encourages these earliest believers to look back to Jesus, for our hope is found in him. Here's another reality check from Paul, Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. The love of the Father. Full of mercy. We don't get what we deserve. Full of grace. We receive as a great gift what we don't deserve. means that our story is caught up in the Jesus story. The reality check. The rope, the harness, the hope, the anchor, our fortress, our deliverer, our redeemer is our saviour, Jesus. You see, hope has a name. Jesus. Hope is rooted and grounded in him. By grace, sheer unmerited favour, you have been saved delivered from the seductive power of sin this evil age and from the powers which bring about destruction a few verses earlier paul says this, says this about the power of god which has been unleashed in jesus resurrection so this is about looking back looking back your former ways you were in sin and trespasses looking back you have been you've been saved but looking back look to jesus The text says, verse 20, When he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. In Jesus, our Saviour, we have one who has taken on the powers human sin and violence empire and domination and the evil powers they did their worst to Jesus he was crucified the greatest embodiment and love and hope that the world has ever seen was nailed to a cross and breathed his last the darkest day in history day The death of God. But the worst day is not the last day. Maybe some of us need to hear that now. Whatever your worst day was, it's not the final word, it's not the last day. You see, for Jesus, this was not the end. Following the pain of Good Friday, the silence of Easter Saturday, we look back to Easter Sunday. For on this day, a mighty power was unleashed. The grave could not hold him. And Jesus was raised to life. The death law has been dealt to death itself. And now Jesus, the one who was crucified, is shown to be the world's true Lord and King, the name above all names the one who demonstrates conclusively that the powers of sin, the world, and Satan do not have the last word. Jesus, our great hope, raised to life in the past, has ascended to glory. He reigns presently. He reigns supremely. Jesus is Lord. You see, embedded within the Jesus story is this notion that hope itself wins. And so, we can have hope, for we look back not only on our former way of life, but to our Saviour and his glorious resurrection. This is the story we find ourselves in. That's point number one. Looking back, the points get shorter. Fear not. not. Point number two, hope involves sitting down. In this passage, we are not only encouraged to look back, but we are to recognise that in the here and now, we are sat down. Chapter 2, verse 6 says this, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Paul is telling the believers who walk the streets of Ephesus that they are enthroned with Jesus in the heavenly realm. The holy mystery found here is that as these believers walked the marketplaces, went about their daily business, worked, family life, the hustle and bustle of urban living, they are simultaneously sat with Christ in heaven. It seems that what Paul is getting at here is that the early church, and we too, we live in two dimensions. We live, work, raise families, suffer, go about the city, that's one dimension, whilst also having our identity and place within the realm of heaven, the second dimension. We are citizens of heaven, no longer slaves to sin, The world and the devil. We are citizens of heaven and we share in the power, identity, and values of the coming age. And because we live in these two dimensions, we don't need to conform to the pattern of this world. We're empowered to resist the beastly forces that are in the world. Paul wants us to know the reality that we are in the kingdom now. And not yet. There's two worlds, but the kingdom is is, is here. We're we're in it. We're, We're sat with Christ in heaven. And everything that opposes peace is simply the last gasp of evil that tries to hold on to what is already lost because the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is at hand. We are seated with Christ This reality check means that in and through Jesus we have a royal dignity. For those of us who have been treated in ways where we have not been treated with dignity, for those of us who might see we have no value and significance, know this. You have royal dignity, royal authority, royal identity, and royal vocation. Given this, we are not called to a timid morality which retreats from the world into a spiritualizing irrelevance. Nor in him we find a kingdom called to courageous engagement. So. First point is looking back. Second point, we're sitting down with Christ. The third point and final point is that we are looking forwards. In the opening prayer, Paul says this, that people may know what is the hope to which he called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The hope that we are called to is, a, is an inheritance In chapter 2, verse 7, Paul says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In the ancient world, you may be invited to join a wealthy household as an adopted son or daughter. You would have a place at the table, And the resources of the household would be available for you for the rest of your life. What Paul is getting at is that we are sat with Christ for all eternity. And in the future, from this moment onwards, we are the recipients of the riches of his grace that the kindness of Jesus would be available to us hour after hour, day after day, year after year, whatever befalls. Paul says this. He um, He says that we are God's handiwork created to do goodness. So we are sat with with Christ, also going about our daily lives in this dimension. We are the recipients of his kindness and his goodness to us. But we are called to be his handiwork who go out and do goodness as well. We are blessed to be a blessing. Now, uh, a month or so ago, I found myself uh, down at Buckingham Palace. Uh, Prince William was in the throne room and I had to go in and have a conversation uh, with him and um, it was it was great it was very strange lots of beef eaters around and all that kind of stuff and I was told before I went in when you've chatted Prince William he will shake um, when the conversation's over he'll shake your hand that's your clue to go so um, and by the way, this story will make more sense if you know that I don't know much about sport. Don't follow sport. So I go in there, uh, talking to, uh, to Prince William, and first of all, he's talking to me about Lighthouse. This was brilliant. I was on a roll, I was answering the questions, a bit of back and forth. And then he switched the conversation, and he said, So tell me, how are Leeds United doing? And I said, I don't play cricket. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, no. I just, I just went like that to you know, shrug shook, shook my shoulders I, I, I don't know and then I got the handshake I got the handshake that, uh, see, uh, see you later but what if this had happened I'm chatting to Prince William and he says John not only are you here today you know, this nice day but we want to, you to have a throne in Buckingham Palace we want you to be part of the royal family. All the resources of the crown are at your disposal. And we're aware that you're going to go about your daily work, you know, up in Leeds, and your, your, your family life, working at Lighthouse, but you need to know the resources of the crown are at your disposal. And not only that, Prince William said in this fictional scenario, um, <laughs> Prince William said, I will be talking to the Queen every day about you and about your work. At a far deeper level of reality and truth, this is where we are at. We are seated with Christ. The resources of heaven are at our disposal. We can have hope Because of this. And this doesn't mean that we spend all of our time in the heavenly Buckingham Palace. No, we go about our work into places of injustice and oppression, knowing that we have the backing of heaven itself. So, coming to the end, this is our hope. This is Paul's reality check. As we look backwards, we become aware of our our sin, but more importantly, we look to Jesus, the one who has been raised from the dead. As we sit down, we sit with Jesus as royal sons and daughters. And as we look forward, we should know that not one day will go by When we are not showered with the kindness and the riches of His grace, the grace which has been given to us in and through Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.